Wacom Prepping 2.0. An encore of episode 194. Money, money, money! We all need more of it nowadays. In this episode, we're going to look at practical lessons. Learn from the Great Depression and apply them to modern day conditions. When disaster strikes, will you be prepared? This is Prepping 2.0 with authors and prepping experts, Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher. Online at prepping2-0.com. Get ready. Prepping 2.0 coming in three, two, one. Welcome, everyone. This is Shelby Gallagher over here at Prepping 2.0, joined by my co-host on this show and co-host in life, Glenn Tate. Well, thank you. Money, money, money. We all need more of it nowadays. In this episode, we're going to look at practical lessons learn from the Great Depression, and apply them to modern-day conditions. I wanted to tell you about a a news story I read. They cataloged 60 active shooters who had been stopped by concealed carry holders. It was quite an impressive tale. And this was was not a lot, you know, this didn't stretch back to the 1700s. This is all relatively recently. You know, every week or month or so, there is an active shooter stopped by a concealed carry holder. If you are that concealed carry holder, first of all, good on you for stopping an active shooter. You, you will be eternally rewarded for that, for all the good things you did by putting yourself in harm's way. But there's an earthly consequence to that potentially, and that is you may get charged. It may be unlikely. You might get investigated at a bare minimum for the use of force. You need concealed carry You need insurance. to be prepared for that. Be prepared. Be exactly. Prepared. That's what we're all about here. U.S. Law Shield is the way to go. It is pretty much insurance, although they can't say the word insurance for regulatory reasons. But you pay a little bit, about 100 bucks a month, and you get an amazing criminal defense attorney to help you through any use of force situation. And you also get a civil defense attorney to help you through any civil suits. Let me clarify, 100 bucks yes. a month? Oh, I'm sorry. No. I was going to say, wait silly. a minute. Not at all. It, it's 100 bucks a year. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, that's quite a difference. Yeah, it isn't is crazy. It? Like I'm a factor like, of 12. 12. 10. Come on. Carry the one. Wait a minute. Anyway. So, 100 bucks a year. And uh, if you use the coupon code at prepping2-0.com on the Friends and Affiliates tab, you click on the U.S. Law Shield banner you will get a coupon code that'll get you 14 months for the price of 12. And now... Folks, it's 10 days away. From the Palooza. Picnic Palooza in Missoula being hosted by us here at Prepping 2.0. Again, we've talked about this most of this year, um, off and on. It's coming up, 10 a.m. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. when we're going to kind of kick everything off, 10 a.m. at the Bella Vista Pavilion at Fort Missoula State Park in Missoula, Montana. Hope you can make it. We know a lot of people are. Can't wait to see you there. If you if you haven't put it on your calendar, it's really easy. Just open up your phone because it's in like ten days. It's really quick. Other cool thing that we haven't talked about no, in a while, haven't. but every time we wear some of it, people mention it. Yeah, we have, they say, "Wow, that's really cool." That's really cool. It happened today. So we have merch. Did you know Prepping 2.0 has like merch and stuff? Tons of new listeners. You may not know about this, so we wanted to let you know. We call it the Merch Shack, and it's at prepping2-0.com on the shop button. And we have all kinds of T-shirts, stuff. T-shirts, mugs. Yeah. Patiently awaiting the collapse. 1776 2.0. Yeah. All kinds of Nose stuff. pads. So check it out. I mean, it's a, it's a great way to show your support. And you'll get so many cool comments, especially yes. on T-shirts and hoodies. People will say... I feel the same way. We might need to have price our masks. Yeah, we might <laughs> we might have to have a a, a, a blowout reduction sale oh on the masks. Yep. Lurkers. Lurkers come out of the shadows. What is a lurker? A lurker is someone who listens to this show, the regular show, whether it's um, on the podcast or the radio stations that we're on, and uh, they don't they don't become Patreon supporters, so they don't get the after show. They lurk. They wonder all the time, golly, what would life be like if I could have the after shows to Prepping 2.0? A lot of them now know because they've reached out to me and, exactly. and said, I'm not a lurker anymore. Exactly. We've had a huge uptick in the number of Patreon supporters. Thank you very much for it. For two bucks a month, uh, you get the after show. For five bucks, you get the after show and video bonus shows and a whole lot of other stuff. Why, why you ask? Why, what do you mean by other stuff? Well, here's two examples of other stuff Patreons get. 
We're going to have next week Dan, the food industry guy, on the show. He's an incredibly popular guest. Imagine if you could ask a food industry executive your questions about prices and availability of food and ask someone who knows all this stuff why things are happening. Wouldn't that be cool? You get to do that if you're a Patreon. That's right. We have a post up right now. Ask Dan, the food industry guy, your questions. Plus, we have awesome outtakes and they are only for patreon supporters and i wanted to set the table for our most recent outtake and we're going to insert it here um our producer is named codenamed match we don't want him or her to have his or her identity out because he or she might lose his or her isn't that annoying job and we don't want to out him or her so we call him or her Madge and we had a little flub that we made and and I said to Shelby well Madge will fix it and this is how that unfolded in an outtake I think Madge can help though Madge is awesome Madge is magic magic Madge sounds like a song by uh, Heart he's a magic Madge oh stop whoa stop Now, wasn't that funny? That was great. That was fabulous. We still laugh at it when we hear it. That's funny. right. Yes. You don't laugh when you hear my singing voice like I no. did. Money, money, money. Stop. You hate it, don't you? Well, everybody, let's get into it. You may have noticed that stuff costs more. Hmm. Glenn sure has. Yes. He gets really angry. I do get really angry. Um, well, we give you practical tips here on Prepping 2.0. We're not a theoretical show. We're a very practical show. Today, we're going to dive into lessons your grandmother or maybe your great-grandmother, we have a lot of younger listeners, Mm -hmm. could be great-grandmother material, learned in the Depression. And these tips and lessons from the Depression still apply today. So, Shelby, why don't you start us off? Well, one thing I wanted to start off with is several people that are my age, our age, our age, Glenn. Yes. Our parents were Depression-era kids. Yeah. And as you and I grew up, let's... This is kind of off script a little bit, but I think it's worth doing. I can think of three things my parents did to economize in the 70s and 80s when, well, not necessarily the 70s, but in the 80s when we kind of had a booming economy. Even while there was a booming economy, they economized. My dad grew a garden when he really didn't need to, but he did a great job growing a garden, which is why I love growing a garden, too. If there was the end of a bottle of something, a bottle of shampoo, bottle of ketchup, bottle of salad dressing, he would turn that thing over and let it drain. And let gravity do its and magic. And let gravity pull every last drop of whatever it was out. I, I try to do that myself these days. It's it's not easy. No. You got to balance everything. Just try. It's He was the pro at it. He is the pro Biden at it. Biden ruined the shape of bottles. He's yes. ruined oh my everything. Gosh. Yeah, everything. And then everything became a squirt bottle too. Yeah. So, Dang um, you, Joe Biden. Yeah, the other thing is not throwing away, this is what my parents did, not throwing away containers. So when something came in a really good, like somewhat sturdy container, they'd keep it and use it. Yeah. That's very, con- that, and that's that depression era behavior that we saw that kids these days, and maybe we thought was mysterious, but now that we're kind of living a version of now that. Now that we have to pay for stuff. Exactly. Can you think of anything Oh, we're going to go through several of them in here. But I wanted to make the point right off the bat that while we're talking about the Great Depression, we have to acknowledge that America in the 30s is different in a lot of ways than America in the 2020s. So we're not saying absolutely everything from the Depression is a carbon copy and carries over to the modern era because in the 1930s, America was much more rural. I mean, off the charts, much more rural. Um, and more than half the population lived in rural areas. And now it's, I don't know, six, seven percent, something like that. So there's one big difference. Another huge difference is in the 30s, by and large, America had Americans as individuals had a very strong work ethic. Um, have you been to a McDonald's recently? Uh, you know, so we've lost. Glenn has and he's yeah, still mad about I'm it. I'm still mad about it. Um <laughs> A uh, quick version of the story. Uh, it, we were we were picking up some law books because I buy law books because I'm a complete nerd, and um, it was late in the evening. And He's angry. I'm I'm I'm. It's past my dinner time, and I need some food. And we're in a place where there's only a McDonald's. That's the only place to eat. I don't eat at McDonald's very often. Only when 
I absolutely have to. McDonald's is like airport food. You're stuck in a place. You have no other choices. The food's really expensive and it's not very good. But what are you going to do? I mean, are you going to like leave the airport and go run out back home and make a sandwich and come back? You're stuck, right? So I go to McDonald's drive-thru. I order a double quarter pounder with cheese, deluxe. Double deluxe. Double deluxe. There's That's what threw them off because you go up to the window. It's like, what combination number? Um, I like the a quarter number. pounder yes. deluxe double. What number? Um, this, there isn't a number. What number? There's a lack of skills here. Can you hear it in the voice? Oh, yeah. And it gets worse. So I go up and I get a cup of water and a double quarter pounder with cheese Deluxe. Deluxe. Thank you. That's the key to this. Because <laughs> That's the, what threw off what the robot. The word, what does the de- word deluxe do? It, it messes up the... It's supposed to... Um, well, the word double is supposed to put in the double patty, but the right. deluxe is all the com- all the goodies. Oh, yeah. It's got the mayonnaise, which you got to have. So I go up to the window and they hand me a bag and I notice the bag is a little light. That should have been my first clue. But no, I was hungry and I didn't want to delay everybody. So we drove off. And I ended up with a single quarter pounder with cheese so and a cup wor- of water for how much money? Even in Montana where prices are lower, $8.25. So I got a snack for $8.25. So he basically got a deluxe hamburger. Yeah. There wasn't a double. The only reason why it was deluxe is because it had like lettuce and onions on it as opposed yeah. to just ketchup. Exactly. So anyway, that's enough about so McDonald's. He, there you go. So loss of skill. And loss of work ethic. Lock, loss of work ethic and skills. Explain to people why people in the 30s had skills they don't have today. Because they were raised in homes that required chores and required work out of them. Whether it be you need to go pull weeds, you need to go muck a stall, you need to, kids were, and as a result of that, they learned from their parents a suitcase of skills. Mm-hmm. We don't have that. We have a younger generation that right now that's really good at running YouTube channels. Yeah. So, yeah. And that's about it. And taking out the garbage is kind of a mystery to them. So we have, we've gleaned, we've gone out gleaned. there and searched. That's a word that's coming. I love that yes. word. And we've pulled some several resources and several other um, places that have that have had the same conversation. One of them is a website called Ask a Prepper. And they have... Um, Great strategies for saving money. The very first one. And this, and if I may, the, the name of the article is 10 Great Depression Era Strategies for Saving Money. So this goes back to what the number one that I thought of that uh, my parents did. Redu- reuse, reduce, recycle, repair. Reuse the bottles. Uh, recycle the body, bottles. And then one of the other things they bring up in this, in this link is buying products that have multiple uses. Things like baking soda, vinegar. These are not only are they baking um, uses, there's cleaning uses to them. And the advertisement back in the Depression era was you buy this one thing and you have 30 uses for it. Find those multi-use things and use them Use them wisely. I'm going to rain on your parade. And this okay. is a general rain comment. On me. Yeah, this is a general comment that applies to all of these things. I want folks to keep in mind, and this is my opinion, this is not science or anything like that. In my opinion, you need to keep track of how much money you're actually saving mm-hmm. by doing these things. Because, you know, if you're saving uh, 17 cents by getting the last bit of shampoo out of the bottle, I think that that's great. That's 17 cents. If you then have an RV payment and you never use your RV, it's like 600 bucks a month. And what you need to do when it comes to saving money, in my opinion, is look at the big stuff first. The prioritizing. Because I think what happens is people that want to save money, they need to save money. We all need to save money. Absolutely. Because of inflation. They will go and do things that are basically symbolic. 17 cents is symbolism. And they will do the symbolic things and feel like they're saving money and put their family through all kinds of, you know, inconvenience. You should get the last out of the shampoo bottle. I'm not saying you shouldn't. What I'm saying is keep in mind how much money are you saving and really look at at the big stuff. Because I think that offloading stuff you don't need and and don't need and you're making payments on is a great way to save money. That one RV payment is going to make up for, I'm not kidding, the monthly increase in your costs from Bidenflation. So well, that's a big deal. And they're not mutually exclusive. Do right. both. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah, I just wanted to have a little bit of perspective on that. Absolutely. And um, the, the other, so prioritize this, but 
we were talking about this before we started the show, prioritize that and do those cost cutting things. But on the other hand, there's, there's two categories here. When things are getting scarce and you need to save on them and economize on them, that's one thing. And then there's the yes. other category where it's gone. This Thank product you. that you need is gone. You can't just go get more shampoo. You need to use the last bit of shampoo. And thank you for, for making right. that point. This isn't just about saving money. This is about preparing yourself and getting habits down for when stuff isn't available. So our example that we're going to use as we go through the show, and it's starting to happen, is dog food. There is mm-hmm. a dog food shortage right now, and I'm seeing people respond to it. Like we were at Costco a week or two ago, a week ago. And there was a guy coming out of Costco, not with their regular shopping cart, but with like their big... The orange carts. The big orange cart. Two of those stacked to the gills, stacked high above the man's head with dog food. Like 25, 50 pound bags. And so about 20 bags per cart. So Mm -hmm. he's walking out. So he's preparing and stocking up clearly or he runs an animal shelter one or the other but or maybe he eats dog food and he's a very hungry guy that's possible there you go so those are perspectives as we kind of go through this list and we're going to borrow from a couple different sources so i'd I'd like to know what your thoughts are on this the next one is pay with cash what are your thoughts pay with cash um this is a great example of things being different Mm -hmm. from the 30s and the 2020s it's possible to pay with cash. Um, it's almost it's, impossible. It's, actually. it's hard to do. I think what the point is with the uh, tip about paying with cash, it says pay with cash more often. I don't know that it's really the medium of payment that is the issue. I think it's the fact that when you pay with cash, you have to have the money. You know, you have to have the money. Um, you have to have a $20 bill in order to pay with cash. And, and when you put it on your card, it's invisible and you don't see it and you don't feel the effects of that spending. So if their point about paying with cash is to use cash so that you can uh, internalize the Monetize. consequence of the charge that you're being charged, the money you're spending, that makes a thousand percent sense to me. But um, again, the 30s and the 2020s are different. Well, and also, let's also remember back then, banks shut down and froze people's yeah. bites. So very there's kind of historical difference there well there was no credit back then right i mean there's that too i mean yeah obviously there were no credit cards and and people would have would have thought it was weird to put things on a credit card they it just it was not the way people lived i think how that lesson can be drawn to today the lesson from that the that we can glean glean our favorite verb is right now inflation is hit the, the stories are out there. Go, just go, you know, put it in your search engine and look. The stories are out there that right now families are, are their grocery bill alone is killing them. Families, mm-hmm. two, two working parents trying to make ends meet. Dollars are absolutely not going nearly as far as they need to to feed their families. They are using credit. Yeah. They're using, people are running up credit card debt right now. That's, that is how you can apply that principle to today, I think. Exactly. Well, number three and this is going to sound pretty obvious to prepping 2.0 listeners, yes. but it's number three nonetheless. And that is try to be self-sufficient. Well, of course, that's why you're listening. And and some of the things they list here, and I think it's worth noting, is sew your own clothes, grow your own food, cook from scratch. These are all things that many of us have honed, especially during this post-COVID time. But there's a lot of value in that, and it grows your skills. And also, you can you can teach your children some good skills during this time. It's a new mindset. Instead of thinking, oh, I'll just get stuff off of Amazon or I'll have mm-hmm. Uber Eats deliver stuff, it's it's as much the, the mental shift that you have about trying to be self-sufficient. Right. Yeah, exactly. Well, number four, and this relates to the cash versus credit right. thing. Oh, and is, Dave Ramsey will love this. Yes, budgeting using a diary. Or envelopes, not using dairy, but using a diary. Yeah, read that correctly. Yeah. So that's very, that using the envelopes is very much a Dave Ramsey thing. Why don't you what, describe what that so is? So what it is, let's, like, let's just say, I'm just going to use fake numbers here because this isn't true. Let's say you have a $100 a month budget for groceries. Your your electrical bill is this month. Your phone bill is this month. Take cash, t- take cash and put cash in each envelope for all of those things and then have an envelope for um you know, fun things, movies or whatever. So the idea being is that Patreon you're- subscriptions. That, there you go. That's hard to do in this era of, you know, automatic deductions and, and you know, wireless and cashless um, transactions. But the idea being that you are keeping track of what you're spending in every category. 
So many times, you, uh, this is what happens to us. We go to the grocery store and buy groceries. And we're not thinking about the budget. We're just buying the groceries that we need. I think this is kind of hard to do right now with how quickly yeah. prices are changing. It's shocking. I think as a practical matter, it's really hard to do because I pay most of the bills electronically. Yeah. I mean, getting the bill from the electric company and writing a check and putting it in the mail, it's kind of a pain. It would be even more of a pain to have cash in right. there. And then what are you going to do? You got you can't mail them cash. So I think that the mental idea of the envelopes is a great way the to go. The diary is probably the better way to go. Exactly. Because you're keeping track. You're, you're at least checking in on what your costs are so you have a better idea about what the the balance is for fun money. And that's really what this is about. If you can figure out a way to to know how much money you have left over after you pay all your bills, that's really what this is about. And that's probably a more practical solution. Right. Exactly. You don't have to do the envelopes, but find something that works for you so you know what everything goes into. We have a couple more minutes. Go ahead, Glenn. Yes, we do. Number five, buy used instead of new. Here are my thoughts on that. First of all, it makes a ton of sense. You would not believe how much things depreciate used versus new. One of the cool things that it's one of the rare instances in which the 2020s are more awesome than the 1930s as far as budgeting goes. We now have Craigslist. We have Facebook Marketplace. We have all kinds of apps. Um, uh, OfferUp, um, which my police friends tell me is where people fence stolen property. So you get some good deals there. <laughs> and so it, we have- It might all, be a cash only system over there. That's right. We have all these easy ways to buy used stuff. Now, of course, the downside with used stuff, especially if it's mechanical or something like that, is um, it's going to need maintenance and it may cost you maintenance money. But then again, you're paying a lot less for it used than you are new. So you have to budget for maintenance. You need to understand that just because something is used doesn't mean that's all the money you're going to spend on it. That's just the beginning. Well, and to add to that, has things become scarcer which they are, yes. scarcer to the point where you can't get them anymore. Supply chain issues, you may, Your only choice may be a used. Well, yeah, and that's certainly true of vehicles now. I yes. hear all kinds of horror stories about people go into the dealership and they haven't bought a car in several years and they don't know what's going on. And they go in and they say, I like an XYZ. Okay, well, we'll order you one and it'll come in six months or Never. You're, you're on a wait list or... There's a $15,000 or $20,000 um, convenience fee for even getting it. That's above the manufacturer's price. And so exactly as scarcity sets in, you may not have the choice of new or used, and you need to resign yourself to getting used stuff. And most of the used stuff we've bought has worked well. There have been a couple lemons, but I can't say that it, it, no it was- No worse than new was, stuff or new stuff. Yeah, it, it's- it's not that big of a deal. There are no warranties anymore, by the way, no. as a practical matter. You have to matter. buy a warranty. You have to buy a warranty. So it's not like you're even getting a warranty on something new. So folks, before we cut over to the break, I want to remind you that we have some great sponsors. You can find them all at our website, prepping2-0.com, on the friends and affiliates page, and that includes all coupon codes. And of course, our friends over at Minuteman Coffee love them. New Mana Foods, My Kind CBD, you can find Lizzie McDaniel out of Tennessee and Jared Savick out of Montana at redstate-realtors.com, Katie Armour, and Backwoods Home Magazine. Folks, we have so many more things to talk about on the other side of the break. Don't go away. More of Prepping 2.0 with authors Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher is coming right up. Hear all our previous shows free online at prepping2-0.com. When the grid goes down, darkness will descend fast. Used to be there was nothing you could do about an EMP, electromagnetic pulse, or CME, coronal mass ejection. Now you can protect your electronics, protect your family, thanks to EMP Shield. EMP Shield invented a simple to install device that prevents whatever's connected to it from frying in an EMP or a CME, and it costs just a few hundred dollars. EMP Shield has been tested by independent laboratories and passed muster with the government, which has ordered lots of them. Google EMP Shield and see for yourself. And save some money. Get a $50 discount per device. Go to prepping2-o.com. Click on the Friends and Affiliates page, then click on the EMP Shield logo. At checkout, use coupon code PREPPING2.0. It's all one word. PREPPING2.0 is about that next level of prepping. 
One of the key 2.0 items to have is bulletproof body armor plates. I used to think body armor was too tactical for a regular guy like me, but it isn't. Give yourself, your family, and your team an unfair advantage when bullets are flying. Body armor used to be expensive and hard to get. Not anymore. KD Armor, and that stands for come and take it, makes solid and affordable body armor for normal people. Get body armor while you can. The clowns in Congress are trying to prohibit future sales. KD Armor is the place to get it. C-A-T-I-Armor.com. Prepping 2.0 listeners get a 10% discount when you use the coupon code GRANT. PrepperNet, where preppers unite. Looking to meet other like-minded people in your area? Looking to start your own prepper group? Already have a group? Join PrepperNet.com. PrepperNet has gathered the biggest names in the industry to help unite preppers everywhere. Join John Jacob Schmidt, Scott Hunt, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy, Glenn Tate, Shelby Gallagher, Charlie Hogwood, Samuel Culper, Survivor Jane, Rick Austin, Franklin Horton, Ryan Mitchell, and Brian Duff. Our team is united. Check us out at PrepperNet.com. PrepperNet, where preppers unite. PrepperNet.com. In a tactical situation, your AR is your life. Gibbs Arms makes a sweet feature, the only side charger that can use a standard bolt carrier group with no modification. Gibbs makes them in 9mm, 5.56, and 308. In fact, Gibbs Arms has been granted eight patents for unique innovations. The company started back in 2008 when two Boeing engineers realized no one else made what they wanted. Take a look at their website and see all the ways Gibbs Arms can help you mod your AR. Gibbs with a Z, arms.com. That's G-I-B-B-Z-A-R-M-S.com. Without water, you're done in three days. Pro One water filters. It's literally a matter of life and wet. Pro One G 2.0 all-in-one gravity systems are NSF ANSI 42 component certified. Not everybody can say that. No need for additional add-on filters to reduce fluoride. Pro One stainless gravity systems include a stainless steel spigot and a countertop stand for no additional cost. Pro One water filter gravity systems. Check them out at ProOneUSA.com. That's P-R-O-O-N-E. USA.com. Most tested, most trusted. Shelby Gallagher here. We found that you need to layer your food preps. Yeah, this is Glenn Tate here. A lot of times the hardest part of layering is the long-term foods. We love Numana foods, which have a 25-year shelf life and are non-GMO. Also, organic meals are available. Numana comes in family-style portions and in bulk. This is not backpacking food. It's family meals that last for at least 25 years. The perfect freeze-dried part of your food layering. You can get a sample of Numana meals for $19.95 and see for yourself. You will be amazed. Prepping 2.0 listeners get a 10% discount by entering the code PREP. Go to Numana.com or click the link on the Prepping 2.0 website. Give it a try. Numana.com. That is N-U-M-A-N-N-A.com. Now, more of Prepping 2.0 with authors Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher. An encore of episode 194. Thanks for rejoining us. This is Shelby Gallagher over here at Prepping 2.0. We're talking about ways to save money. Uh, as usual, this segment will end just as the conversation really gets going, but Patreon supporters will get to hear the whole show and what we call the after show. But first, Glenn, would you like to tell... Excuse me, let me try that again. Glenn, would you like to... Tell folks about a great way to avert an SHTF scenario. The best way to avert an EMP or uh, coronal mass ejection is to have an EMP shield device on every item you don't want to have fried. There are very few instances in which buying a device, because we're always talking about skills, not stuff. This is the exception to the rule. If you buy an EMP shield and wire it in to whatever it is you want to protect, the uh, electrical circuits in your house, um, a car, uh, a generator, a ham radio station, whatever it may be, you can actually prevent it from getting fried when the rest of the world has their stuff fried. And it's it's uh, unusual for there to be a piece of technology that actually completely yes. solves a preparedness problem so go on to our website prepping2-0.com go on the friends and affiliates page look for the emp shield banner uh you'll see the coupon code there you click on that banner and use that coupon code you get 50 bucks off a device they're about 400 bucks and so the 50 dollars is a significant savings and uh, you can get something that you can really use and that can give you amazing peace of mind I also wanted to mention our Firearms Radio Network 
Podcast Spotlight of the Week. We are proud affiliates of the Firearms Radio Network. We're one of 28 podcasts on there. And this week's spotlight is on This Week in Guns. You'll never guess what they talk about on This Week in Guns. Like what happened this week in the gun industry. It's a fascinating way to keep up with stuff that's happening. It's like... um, like the pre-shot show stuff, and but it's every week. There's amazing information. So if you are a firearms person, you're going to love This Week in Guns on the Firearms Radio Network. So we're going to continue on our list. And again, we're going to jump around lists here a little bit. But um, basically, the idea being, let's talk about 10 Depression-era strategies for saving money. The next one is, number six, weigh your wants and needs. Hmm. Basically, uh, and there's a quote in here I'll pull out, as Warren Buffett says, if you buy things you don't need, you will soon sell things you need. So the strategy being like wear clothes you already have instead of buying new ones. Hold on to that two-year-old cell phone. You don't have to have the newest, latest, and greatest. Really stop for a moment and weigh your wants versus your needs. Yeah, and I think that most folks in the Prepping 2.0 audience are not the kind of people that have to get a new iPhone every six months. I think that we're far more um, genuine and authentic, and we're not we're not shallow and trendy. But there is a prepping version of this that applies to the folks listening. And that would be getting the latest and greatest prepping gear is maybe something you don't need. I see a lot of guys, you know what I'm going to say? I'm picking on the guys because it's primarily the guys. And, you know, they get the um, the latest and greatest uh, red dot sight on their 12th AR-15. Um, and they they have to have the latest and greatest of, of prepping gear and you should be getting gear. Again, skills are more important than stuff, but you should be getting gear, but you don't have to have the latest and greatest. You have to understand at some point your desire to constantly have the latest and greatest is a hobby. It's something, it's it's not really prepping. I mean, people like, not everyone, but many people like to buy stuff and it manifests itself in a variety of ways. Um, and one of the ways with preppers is that it manifests itself in getting latest and greatest gear. There's another manifestation of the love of buying stuff that I'd like to point out that I think is a net detriment to saving money. And that is some people that love to buy stuff will justify their love of buying stuff by buying stuff on sale. And you see them like the crazy cat ladies that yeah. have like a hundred cases of paper towels and they can't live in their house so then they go and they rent like another house because they got such a great deal on on paper towels that now they have two mortgages you know what i mean you have to always keep in mind what is the actual cost of what i'm doing and so don't use the crutch and again i don't think this is a common problem with our listening audience don't use the crutch of quote saving money i call it reverse gambling it's an imprecise analogy but it is still a pretty good analogy it's like ooh, i'm making money because i'm saving a dollar on the paper towels i'm going to buy a hundred things of paper towels because i just made a hundred dollars it's like a gambler saying oh i spent 120 dollars on slot machines but i won a hundred so i won a hundred it's it's a narrow look at just one dimension like the money you're saving and not looking at the money that it's costing you and again it's an extreme example but having to rent another place because you got such a great deal on paper towels that you can't live in your house anymore that illustrates the the thing in play here so that is an important thing. Again, we're, we're very, I don't know, balanced and complex and nuanced, I think, on Prepping 2.0. We don't just say, go out and save money because everything is a system. You knew I was going to say that, yep. listeners. You have to look at the actual costs, the real costs, and time is a thing. If you're spending two hours a day emptying out shampoo bottles, again, an exaggeration, but it makes the point well, then that's not worth your time because those two hours a day you're spending, you could be doing number seven on the list, Shelby. I which like is, this one a lot. Yes. It's called Try Your Hand at Freelancing. And it uses the example from the Depression era. Um, back then, flour or grains came in big uh, cloth sacks. Pretty soon, flour 
bag dresses or clothing made out of that sack material, women started getting creative and creating a side gig is what we call it Exactly. Today. So no, this isn't about wearing flower bags as dresses. That doesn't work well, especially no. for the men, unless you live in a blue right. state. Ha <laughs> ha. But you would see women, I, I remember my grandmother making quilts or making, uh, you know, pot holders and using that cloth again, because it it's cloth. Um, so what I think about in a modern day version of that, we were just at a farmer's market. A lot of people baked goods, uh, local produce. Uh, that's a side Coffee gig. stands. Coffee stands. Um, something with that. Well, but coffee stands, even then you're buying a product. But I, I saw a lot of locally grown Fill in the blank. Honey, produce, um, uh, homemade goods. Selling eggs from your exactly. voluminous chicken collection. Use your, what you can have your property produce and try and find a side gig. I'm thinking of also our good friend and former uh, guest, Derek Smiley. He's killing it on mm -hmm. an Etsy page with some, he learned Amazing. woodworking. Amazing, Amazing woodworking. woodworking. Yeah, cutting boards and stuff. We actually have one. I would take it farther than that. I wouldn't, and I know you're not limiting it, but you spoke about using stuff on your property for a side gig. And yes, that's great. Right. Um, make your property produce money for you. Even if it's a little bit, it'll help offset some of the costs. You've talked about chickens and selling a dozen eggs for four or five bucks. And it, it basically cancels out the chicken feed yep. bill. And that's, you know, 60 bucks a month. And that adds up. I would take it farther and say side gigs of all kinds, all kinds. are wonderful. Not and just this is the era. Yep. This is the era with the internet. You can do stuff. And it's not just creating a YouTube channel or a TikTok channel or something like that. There are amazing things you can do at home with nothing but a computer that are great side gigs. And it doesn't have to be woodworking and it doesn't have to be harvesting eggs. Mm -hmm. It's virtually unlimited. There are entire websites that are dedicated. I mean, if you, if to side hustles, if I hate, I hate side hustle. I hate that phrase. Cause a hustle sounds like a rip off side gig. It's side a, gig. It's just Google side gig. Supplementary income. Exactly. There's a million ways to do it. And it really adds up. And the cool thing about um, side income is that not only does it help reduce your bills, it puts you in a different mindset. You are very much entrepreneur. Let's say you have a traditional job and you go in and you work in a cubicle and all of that, and that's important and that's great. You're supporting your family. There's you know, no shame to working in a cubicle. And a lot of times that's where you get your health benefits. Exactly, and so if you have that side gig, um, you're going to, at least you know, 10% of the time, be very entrepreneurial and it's a, it's a it's an attitude that rubs off into a variety of other parts of your life. And so we cannot stress enough having a side gig. And by the way, the skill that you have or the business you have as your side gig may be something very valuable in a collapse. Uh, you may uh, sharpen chainsaw blades or something like that. And you just become the go-to guy, you know, that everybody comes to. You don't even, you don't have to have a website. You don't have to have a shop. You just need some files, right? Um, metal files. And so it, it could be, end up being a skill that is really useful in a collapse, but it's also going to gain you money now. Well, and a side gig that we no longer have since we've moved to Montana, but it worked really well for us for a long time was Airbnb. We mm -hmm. had properties that we Airbnb'd. Mm -hmm. So there's... The, the sky's the limit on that. And again, it can it can be that thing that, and it happened during the depression, you have your regular day job and that goes away and you still have your side gig that you can work and grow. So uh, the other one, I like this one a lot and, I'm, and I've kind of stuck my feet into this a little bit. Number eight, plant those seeds for a lush garden. This well, is so your topic. With, and I'm going to take off with it. Yes, Here we you go. Will. So this is just, honestly, this is harvesting seeds from the things you grow. Super simple. Well, and there's all this talk these days. You've got to you've got to plant heirloom quality heirloom seeds because they're the ones that can grow back. You can take the seeds and you can reuse them and, and have your crop for next year. Yes, that's true. It is optimal. It is optimal, but it sometimes doesn't. I mean, you can still buy hybrid ones and try to give it a shot. I'm going to try it for a little bit. But what does that mean? Things that have seeds in them: tomatoes, peppers, cucumbers. Um, anything that you're growing, um, beans, uh, peas, keep a handful of those seeds and plant them again next year. So you don't have to buy seeds. As we all learned during COVID, 
seeds go quickly and they are way more expensive than they ever used to be. Good way to do that. Unavailable sometimes. Unavailable sometimes. So find a way to um, recycle your seeds. The, how I learned this, that the heirloom um, rule didn't always apply, is that our greenhouse, when we lived in Western Washington, every year in that greenhouse, how many times did I go out and buy a tomato plant? A billion. Every year. Did I need to? Turns out no. Turns out no, because those... Because why? Because they kept popping out of the gravel ground on the floor of that greenhouse from previous years. Non-heirloom tomato seeds were growing out of rocks. And produced tomatoes for us. Mm -hmm. So give it a shot. Certainly keep a handful of them on hand. But what an economical way to produce food for, except for the initial cost of the seeds, free. Here's another thing that I've done is I've looked up heirloom seeds. Uh, Burpee Seed Catalog out there has a huge selection of them. So if you want to order them, now's the time to order them for next spring. And they're starting to, to put out the, the advertisements for that. Do not order them in the middle of summer. They're not available. Fall is when you order them. And my and my experience has been, is honestly, Burpee is kind of the big one that has all of them. You said burp. Well, that's the name of the company, Burpee. <laughs> all right, so number nine. I will take this one. Awesome. It says, let all the members of your family contribute. Then there's two aspects to this in my mind. One is getting family members to do chores around the house, which is contrary to modern American parenting. And I'm not saying that it's not done. I'm just saying that there are a million factors pressing down upon you that um, prevent you from having your kids do a bunch of work around the house. What am I talking about? I'm talking about your kids' friends. Probably none of your kids' friends have parents who make them do anything, uh, anything significant around the house. And so if you're like, hey, you need to take out the garbage, you need to mow the lawn, expect your kid to say, yeah, but Jimmy doesn't have to do that. Or at least they think it and they get all frumpy on you and they start slamming doors and all that other stuff. It's hard, but you need to get your kids involved in, you know, a household is a small business. It is in in every sense of it. It is, it is an economic entity and you need to have all hands on deck. So there's the chores aspect. The other aspect is, especially when it comes to side gigs, having your kids working on the side gigs is an amazing thing. It's going to show them that hard work pays off and that the way to get stuff that they want is through hard work. Plus, it's going to help you. Plus, there's a bonding. You, when you get past the initial but Jimmy doesn't have to mow the lawn. Take lawn mowing. Hey, have a family lawn mowing business. You know, dad and, and sons going out and doing the stuff. Dad maybe takes care of the lawn mower, maybe, you know, drives the lawn mower around on a trailer because, you know, a 12 year old kid can't drive. And you've got a family business. Um, and again, expect resistance in the beginning. Oh, yeah. uh, many of you will probably get it, but it is a wonderful thing. And it's, if you look at places in or, or other parts of the world, Um, Family business is what it's about. I mean, if you tried to explain to somebody from any other part of the world other than the industrialized West that kids need to um, stay in their rooms and play video games and um, have everything handed to them, um, they would say, you guys are crazy. our, Our kids work on the farm. Our kids work in our store. Our kids work in our small craft uh, artisan cottage industries. And so the normal way it is in the world is that kids work and help and participate. And I understand how hard this is, trust me. Yep, so the last one on this list, and we have a couple others we're gonna share with you, and you have, yeah, we have a ways to go. And we talked about this one already, of this list, scrape to the last drop. And that's what I was talking about at the very beginning. Um, Use every last drop of ketchup, shampoo, toothpaste. These bottles are scraped out. a saying from back in the Depression era that they brought here is drop by drop forms a river. Hmm. So every little bit counts. So, um, and we've already talked about that. So I'm not going to talk about that anymore, but I do want to jump while we still have a few minutes. Gosh, these go fast, don't they? Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to jump over to another article from Little Things called 11 Life Lessons from the Great Depression Everyone Should Learn. So this is more... Not just saving money. This is this more life lessons. This is life lessons, less prepping. But I think it's there's some really applicable things here. And so I have to jump over all the advertisements. 
because because somebody has a side gig and they're making advertising money number one never use something just once disposable was not part of the vernacular in the depression so when i think when i hear that like here's what i think about when i buy glenn lunch meat from costco it comes in this really actually nicely packaged reusable container with a ceiling lid on it and we throw it away if this were 1932 people might scream why are you throwing that perfectly good container away so it's things like that but go ahead i have to say yes and he's okay (laughs) so now we have a little conflict on the show yes we do it's what makes it interesting um, that all is great, right. but that is one dimension exactly. of looking at it. The other questions are, where are you going to store this? If if this It has to be usable. It has to be usable. Yeah, that's number one. It has to be usable for something else. You can't just hold on to it for the sake of feeling like you're saving money by holding on to something that's useless. Right. And where are you going to store it, right? I mean, most kitchens are pretty small. You don't have storage space for odd-sized, you know, containers. Right. And and number three, related to where are you going to store it, number three is how are you going to find it? I mean, if it's like, oh, I'm going to go out to this giant shed that costs $60,000 to build to hold three cents worth of, you know, tubs uh, or three cent valued tubs. Um, how are you going to find it? Right. It has to be practical. It has to have a, a purpose before you keep it. Exactly. But definitely, if it has a purpose and it can Use be it. stored, go ahead and, and save it. By all means, sure. save it. It's just to understand that there's a system and don't look at the one dimension of I saved three cents. Oh, look at me. I am really saving a ton of money. Um, you're not, especially right. if it's not usable. Right. So number two, we've already touched this one, but I want to talk about it. Learn more than one trade. We've talked about that. I like this next one, and I'd love to hear what your thoughts on it. Number three of this article, make friends with your neighbors. Communities rally together to keep every mouth fed. Go, Glenn. What an important topic. When you boil down what prepping 2.0 means, the 2.0 being the second level, the next level, and you ask yourself, what is the next level of prepping? In one word, if you had to boil it down, and it is many things, The one thing Prepping 2.0 is, is community. Community is the way people live and how they survive. Again, all over the world, throughout every era of history, community is how people live. You can't know it all. You can't have it all. You have to, As and and sometimes neighbors are thorny people. You have to work with your neighbors because you probably don't have... A medical degree and you probably aren't an expert at filtering water you can't store all this knowledge in one head right. and so you've got to have community and see now here's the thing though with community and the difference between the 30s and the 2020s I think Americans in the 30s were much more community minded they were yes. much less selfish they were much um, they, they understood that they needed to work with people. They were much more open to the idea well, of working and there with wasn't neighbors. All the, it wasn't a surveillance state where we have, you know, neighbors sending drones over yeah. to neighbors. We don't have Google Maps showing what our house looks like. You could actually trust your neighbor, too. Exactly. It's not like your neighbor, there was a 50-50 chance, especially if you live in a blue state, of your neighbor being a communist. And I'm not making that no, up. That is entirely possible. Absolutely. And so it was much easier to trust neighbors, but we're gonna have to adapt and work around it in the 2020s. You have to get to know your neighbors. We've talked several times about Glenn and Shelby's summer barbecues that were really just giant interview sessions for like, <laughs> who could who, who could, could we help, trust? Yeah, who could we help and who could help us? And who could be part of the tribe and at what level, yeah. Exactly. So this is a, this is, oh, here's the other cool thing about getting to know your neighbors. It's free. It doesn't cost any money. You can just get to know your neighbors. Um, and, and I'm not trying to be sarcastic or facetious. There are quite a few people, including some listening, who may have forgotten how to just talk to people. 
I know that sounds crazy and I'm not trying to be funny, but you have to, especially if you don't feel comfortable walking up to your neighbor and saying, hey, how's it going? Just wanted to introduce myself. That's unnatural to many people. Now, to Shelby and me, who are extroverts, I mean, we we strike up friendships with thousands of people via this show, right? So it's very natural for us. And I need to remember, not everybody's wired like we are. and But you have to work on it. You have to understand the importance of community and you have to do things that are outside your comfort zone. You have to go knock on that neighbor's door and unless they're, you know, um, like a sex offender, it's the, the knocking on the door is probably not going to get you killed. And so nothing bad is going to happen. And then we get into the question of, can I really trust people I don't know very well with knowing that I'm a prepper? It's like, whoa, that is like, like going way too fast with this. Yep. Nobody, your neighbors don't need to know you're a prepper. And again, I say this because a lot of people are not used to vetting and feeling people out. Um, you know, Shelby and I in, in the business world, we have to vet people. And I don't mean the prepping 2.0 world because everybody, every other business, like our advertisers that we're involved with are just quality human beings. Right. And, and it's not an issue, but in our other business world, our day jobs, if you will, we have to uh, get to know people. We have to figure out strategies for deciding if we can trust people. Not everybody has to do that and not everybody's adept at it. There's only one way to do it and that's to start and to try and to just see where conversations go and don't lay out all your cards immediately. Yep. It's, it, it, here's the thing, it's, it's kind of interesting to get to know people too. And it's really, really valuable information where you go, man, that guy is a raging alcoholic and in a collapse situation, our family's gonna have nothing to do with that dude. So it's really important to do this. And we've done mul multiple shows on this. I want to end with, we have about, oh gosh, a minute, minute and a half here before we have Until to, the after show. Until the after show. But number four on this list, and I love it, and I encourage you to go look at the picture. There's a picture associated with it, but it's called, You Might Have to Get Your Hands Dirty. Uh, you, you're gonna, you might have to garden, which many of us have. We've done a show on this recently. But the picture here has this sassy little girl from Depression Era with a dirty little dress on. And she is just smiling with yeah. a little dirty crooked bow in her hair. And she's just standing barefooted in the middle of a field. And she just is smiling and as happy as ever. But that girl grew up to be a, a master gardener making and eating her own food and growing it, which is awesome. So, folks, uh, we only have about yeah, another well, minute. I think we can address this last topic sure. and then, again, take it in the after show it. if we need to. And that is number five. Don't put your eggs in one basket, which is just... Um, That's a good conclusion a, thought. A good, a good phrase for diversifying. Don't physically store all of your stored stuff in one place. Uh, you don't want one fire or one thieving wrecking crew to take away all of your stuff. Diversify, it applies to uh, diversify your income. Don't just rely on that cubicle job, have the side gig. It relies, or it relates to so many different things. You have to diversify. It's easier to just, to do one thing and one thing only and get in a comfortable groove. You have to fight that, that desire to live in one comfortable groove and you have to diversify. So, folks, join us in the after show if you're a Patreon supporter. And if you're not, then why are you still working? Don't forget, everyone, from, from Benjamin Franklin, one of life's best lessons, failing to prepare is preparing to fail. Have a great week, everyone. Adios. You've been listening to Prepping 2.0 with authors Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher. All the information you've heard today, including all our previous shows, is online at prepping2-0.com. Find out more about Glenn's books at 299days.com and Shelby's books at agreatstate.com. Until next time, be smart, be safe, and be prepared.